2: Or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional.
3: Well, welcome back, everybody. Yeah, it's been a uh, really interesting week, especially for me. I've uh, met with, I'm constantly looking at what we're doing, uh, analyzing, seeing what kind of improvements come along. And uh, it reminds me of going back to when I was uh, first starting Bullington Capital. You know, I was back in 2004. And I'd heard, I'd been running. Models using mostly math. It was actually was ninety five percent math, and a lot of the factors that I used to use uh, are still very effective today. But most of the traditional exchange traded funds don't use those uh, calculations. There's our uh, the vast majority of them are basically market cap weighted indexes, and Oh, there are thousands of them. There are thousands of indexes, by the way. <laughs> and very interesting that there's a firm that has come along that's called Pacer, and they're doing a lot of the same stuff that I was doing um, and wanted to do when I left the uh, brokerage business and started my own registered investment advisory firm. And you know, it only took them a few years, <laughs> but... That's the. Uh, that's okay. Um, they're here now, and we're going to start to talk about these things. I think they make a, a lot of sense for a lot of people. Not everybody. Uh, that's that's one of the things that that's tough about my business is the vast majority of people think there's one solution for everything. Like there's one answer that's good for everybody, and I got to tell you that's that is just not true. Uh, everybody's different, and you've got to address their concerns, um, their knowledge level, uh, what their goals are. You've got to be looking at all that stuff to make a decent decision for that particular individual. And what's really interesting is when you have a couple who don't think similarly. That's a uh, that's really challenging. I did not know I was going to have to be a uh, marriage counselor and a psychologist when I took on this job. <laughs> but uh, it's okay. It's all good. The, uh, and I'm just really glad this firm's been around um, not that long. It's been years now. But the uh, these ideas sometimes take a while to catch on, and a lot of fun that get started get shut down because they can't attract enough assets, funds with with good ideas. Will get shut down because they couldn't um, translate, you know, all the benefits that this, that these things have, and uh, they just couldn't make it. They were underfunded. So this is interesting. These funds basically, they're looking at free cash flow yield. And if you've read anything on what Warren Buffett does, okay, you've uh, you're familiar with free cash flow. So if you don't know, well, now you've heard it, free cash flow is just basically, it, it's an accounting measure of how much cash this business is generating. They're trying to get a good idea. Now, by the way, all accounting has um, intricacies. I, mean, I think the general accepted accounting principles are it's over 10,000 pages now. So there's a lot of ways to look at a lot of <laughs> different things, and I, I talked to five different CPAs, I get slightly different variations on what free cash flow yield means, but the uh, bottom line is they've actually defined how they describe it and, and I really like it. I think it's a good one. So uh, anyway, I'll be talking about this going forward as uh, I think it, um, I think it's good. Uh, if you can pick up an extra no I don't know one or two percent over your entire portfolio, Net of all fees, that's that's pretty good, especially when you're going to be actually lowering the risk. So we're going to talk about this going forward uh, a lot. I just got this uh, interestingly yesterday, or actually it was Thursday afternoon, and I was looking all over. I was looking at all the material the next day. I'm just constantly reading. By the way, this my industry it changes so fast. And there's so many changes. It's mind-boggling. Um, I just, uh, I'm not sure if I were a young kid that I, that I would actually want to go into this business. But the, uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad I am in it because it's a lot. You know, you've got thousands of funds out there. You've got more funds than there are stocks for them to invest in. Uh, that makes it a little complicated. But the, uh, but the bottom line is. It's all good. You've got companies out there who, uh, you know, in the long run, when you're a a mutual fund company uh, that doesn't charge commission, um, that you're only getting paid based on assets under management, same way we operate at Bullington Capital. If it's good for you, it's good for us. If you make money on it, uh, if you're making more money, we make more money. If you're making less money, we make less money. And that's that's a big deal. And that keeps us both on the same side you know, on the same side. So I'll uh, come back to this stuff in, in a little bit. The, uh, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about what uh, um, is going on uh, just economically all over the world. You know, the uh, uh, GDP growth has been pretty good despite the fact that you've got all these uh, trade trade routes that are slowed down by a major war that's going on in the middle of Europe. That's, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how well things are, are going. Uh, if, if that ever does start to die down, I think you're going to see a big jump in productivity, uh, economic activity. Um, I'm pretty sure of it, actually, because you know there's going to be an awful lot of stuff that has to be rebuilt and just... Getting through it, and it, I don't know how close we are. Yeah, it, it's very difficult to say the uh, least. It's very difficult. But I do know that reparations and, and regrowing and rebuilding—you um, know—if there is a uh, a brighter side to this, and I hate saying that because it, it is horrible what's going on uh, in Europe. And, but once it's, once it's over. And it should be uh, pretty decent for the entire world, and right now it it does cause growth now growth in America uh, is actually a large part of it's coming from government debt yeah, that that has to be paid back. But if we could stop concentrating on what's going on there, concentrating more on what's going on here, like uh, I can't tell you how big it is that the uh, semiconductor industry is moving back home they're moving back to America I have a, uh, I have a place I, I split my time now I'm uh, typically two or three days down in Powell, Ohio and um, four or five days up in uh, Cleveland the airline area the uh, um, so I'm driving back and forth and I'm listening and that the plants that they're building um, Down in near Columbus, or not too far from from where I have a place here. And it is mind boggling. I mean, the growth, what they're getting ready for, uh, it is, I was just thinking, man, where are all these people coming from? (laughs) And then I forget, oh, yeah, there's going to be a ton of people working here, making extremely high wages um, because they're going to start, it's going to be a manufacturing hub for. Semiconductors, and uh, I don't know how we got this. I, somebody told me that the uh, governor um, was uh, really kind on taxes to to draw, you know, Intel, Samsung. Uh, what's the other one? Um, well, there's another. There's a company in Eastern Europe that uh, ASML, and they make a lot of equipment to, for making uh, semiconductors. And Intel's one of their biggest customers. Same thing with Samsung. So, outside of inside, I think the estimates I've seen, the uh, total um, number of jobs created, I think is around 70,000. Anyway, that's all good. I mean, that, that's, you know, the, the taxes that Ohio will get from that, from income tax, from the people that work there, the, uh, never mind the uh, corporate taxes that'll be generated right here in America, a lot better than buying the chips and having them. Having to have them shipped overseas, it, it's pretty good. And uh, despite that, the, there are so many innovations that have happened. It, this is weird. I, I used to read more about uh, individual stocks, I still do, but yeah, I've been reading more and more in the past, I don't know, probably five, six years, um, maybe in 10 now, on death fly. But the, the grid, you know, in, in a lot of places, the grid has to be actually completely redone to be able to modernize uh, what people are using the electricity for and to handle the demand uh, that's being created. And the demand for electricity, uh, to my understanding, is growing faster than the population growth is. Now, that's kind of mind-boggling. But then when you think about it, I mean, my uh, grandkids all have cell phones, and they're <laughs> they have to be charged every day. They've all got laptops. And, uh, you know, it's it's pretty crazy. So um, there are a lot of good things, a lot of things that people forget. You know, they they concentrate on the negative that's going on. And by the way, you know, I took a couple of journalism courses when I was in college and I got my school newspaper in high school. And there was a uh, saying, we didn't use it back in those days, but it was, you know, the big papers thought it was funny to say uh, that if it bleeds, it leads. In other words, if there's something really bad going on, you want to emphasize that, and put it on the front page because that will attract attract readers. And I never really liked that about the uh, <laughs> about the business, but it's you know it's true. It, it's very difficult to get somebody's attention. With good stories, you they read a good story, they get all happy and they put the paper down or put the news or the magazine or the book down and they they go off and you know go to the park and play (laughs) and they stop reading and watching and listening. So, uh, uh, if you want to keep their attention, gotta be fairly negative. I hate to put it that way, but that's how we are wired as uh, people. And I know a lot of people out out there who are not wired that way, thank goodness. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it would be really difficult if everybody were wired that way. Can you imagine nobody ever reporting on anything that was uh, positive? And uh, so, but if you look, if you go on and you look and you read and you follow, uh, it's not that hard. Especially today, you don't even have to read nearly as much thanks to YouTube. And uh, now that's another development. I remember when I first read about YouTube. It wasn't owned by Google at the time. They were their own company. Uh, they came public. They, I think they were started in Austin, Texas. And I thought, wow, what a great idea. Now, this is going back. I mean, it's probably been you know, more than 20 years ago. And uh, But I remember uh, reading about it and thinking, man, this is really going to open up media because uh, it's going to make it available to anybody who's got a camera. Our cameras back in those days were pretty expensive but they weren't it wasn't like it was in the seventies or sixties where you had to have a studio and a bunch of equipment and a bunch of people working to produce something that was of high quality. I mean you know now you kids on their cell phones can't do that. Uh wasn't quite that way back when YouTube started, but it was it was doable. They had a whole bunch of uh um camcorders and you know Video equipment that you could get it wasn't that expensive, especially if you got it used. And I just I remember thinking, wow, this is going to be big for people. There are going to be a bunch of talented people out there producing a whole lot of content uh, that's going to get seen now, or at least has a chance to be seen. And yeah, that was the, I'm, I'm surprised Google didn't start that on their own, but they saw what YouTube was doing with it. and They bought them, so it worked out pretty good because Google had a much Bigger budget or had a, the ability to put much more money at work, and uh, now YouTube is a staple in in my house. <laughs> anyway, the uh, and almost everything you want to watch, you can watch on uh, on YouTube when they put it up after it's already aired uh, initially. So kind of interesting, uh, and uh, I uh, generally um, one of the things. By the way, one of the things I did want to talk about today. I sent this out in a newsletter. I, I, I'm i the publisher of the newsletter. I select the articles that I like, that I'm reading, uh, that, I won't, that I think maybe my client base will like. So if you would like to get that, it's free. Uh, and I typically send it out about every other week. Sometimes I'll send out two in a row. Sometimes I like get you know, one in three weeks. But when I see articles I really like a lot, then uh, I will... Uh, They're offered to me. Actually, I can. I have thousands of, of resources. This, this newsletter is not cheap. But <laughs> this article, the article that I like, actually appeared in Forbes. And uh, it, it's about key financial ages. And uh, I've got to take a real quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll start talking about key financial ages. This is Bill Bullington. I'm right here on 1420. Stay tuned because we'll be right back.
1: The straight-talking, hard-working, do-it-right plumbers at Why It Works will unclog your drain for only $93. Or it's free. What's the catch? There's never a catch with Why It Works. I'd rather starve than do business that way. We really will break up your clog and get your water flowing again for $93. Plus, we'll send a camera down the line so you can see exactly what you're dealing Most with. Most of the time, clog busting all you
0: need. walla ka Back to your regularly scheduled life with a 12-month no backup
1: guarantee. If your drain line needs more, we'll explain all the options, including
2: flexible payments and guaranteed estimates. And on the off chance clog busting can't get your drain flowing, our service call is free. You'll still get upfront pricing on
1: solutions to your problem, but with no initial service fee. That's on us. Either we deliver on our promised clog, busting, or it's free. So don't put up with half solutions or slower or clogged drains. Call Why It Works and consider it done. License number 30185.
0: There are over 5 million podcasts out there, with over 70 million episodes between them. But let's face it, only a few have the Salem stamp of approval. Before getting lost in that jungle, find the ones we recommend at salempodcastnetwork.com or the app. Find Charlie Kirk, Dinesh D'Souza, Trish Regan, Jenna Ellis, and Dennis and Julie, and tons more. We vet their content so you don't have to. And the nice thing is, just like this radio station, they're always on message. salempodcastnetwork.com.
3: Well, welcome back, Bill Bullington. Here every Saturday morning at eleven, uh, from eleven to noon. I <laughs> uh, just wanted to—I was—I want to was, backtrack here a I minute. Mean, we'll come back to the funds I was talking about. Um, I just can't believe how long it took for these things to get here. <laughs> it just blows my mind. The, uh, but I'm glad they're here now. And uh, the fund I was actually talking about—it's the company called Pacer. And the one I uh, really like are the ones that focused on cash flow. Um, I like the ones, the small company cash flow model. They've got really strong uh, long-term returns. It, it This is what I left to do on my own because these things didn't exist back when I first started uh, Bulletin Capital. And uh, now they're here. And it's a lot easier and it's a lot more tax-efficient. These things are incredibly tax-efficient. Really nice to be able to work this stuff in. Uh, and they're focusing on stocks that have dividends. And I think the dividend yield on this one is uh, a little over... I think it's a little over 3% right now. I could be wrong. It might be higher than that. So I'll have to... Uh, like As I said, I just started looking at it yesterday. And uh, um, 3%, over 3% dividend is still pretty good. Uh especially because the dividends are, are treated differently than interest income. You don't pay as much tax on it. So, and if you keep it, the dividends are actually going up. That's one of the reasons that these stocks are in there. There are companies that have been raising their dividends as well and growing their businesses. So um, we'll talk more about this on future shows. If you'd like more information on it, as anything with my show, just drop me a line. It's Bill at BullingtonCapital.com. I want to suggest, though, that you go to my website, pick up the phone number, it's 330-664-0700, because uh, there, there have been problems. on you were AT&T, I, I think they, they cut off several states with their cell phone service a couple days ago and because it wasn't working, and I'm just wondering if somebody hacked it, but uh, we've been having these types of problems. It started all started about... Two, two and a half, maybe three years ago, right around when the pandemic started, and it's mind-boggling. And maybe that's just a coincidence, but man, the, uh you really have to watch everything you're doing now online. Um, you got to have. Uh, I, I paid off. Well, actually, I paid cash for this uh, for a car I'm driving. And uh, at first, I was going to finance part of it, and I thought, you know, what? I'm just going to spend in the money and just pay it off. So I did that. And it still hasn't updated. This is three months ago. It still hasn't updated on that bank. And it's a big bank. I won't name them because I'll probably hear from their lawyers. <laughs> but the, uh, again, it's still showing up there. I had to call them and say, hey. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, we're having problems with that. Oh, lovely. The, uh, so it still shows a balance there. There's no balance. I got the canceled check the, uh, at least a uh, digital image on my bank account. So it, it's mind-boggling. what. Going on out there. Uh, so if you, it, what I really feel bad about is that most clients that are say above the age of seventy, uh, who are retired, they always think it's them. They think they're doing something wrong, and I understand that. The uh, it could be, but in a lot of cases, it's not, and it's affecting a tremendous number of vendors out there uh by, by vendors I mean a financial institution. And it's not helping that they're merging so quickly uh either because when you merge big companies, they've got a huge amount of data that have to be combined and made accessible to everybody that both of the former companies. So it's challenging to to say the least. And uh nothing like trying to, you know, make a hard job harder. <laughs> Just kidding but kind of. Uh, anyway, so I was going to use an example uh, that a couple, and uh, they're both same age. I know this doesn't happen very often. Um, but they're going to retire in uh, in a year. They're 66. Next year, they'll, they'll qualify for full Social Security, so they thought they would uh, take advantage of that and be able to retire during that time period. And they're looking for ways to generate income. Okay, so- that's what you generally look to an annuity for, is something that at some point in time, you want to start taking income from. Okay? And if that's not a part of what you're doing, maybe you do just want tax deferral. And, but if you want tax deferral and you want it to be more like a CD, that's a regular fixed annuity. There are still penalties if you pull out from most of them. Most of them will have a penalty for eight or nine years, sometimes 10. Uh, It goes down. It starts higher, and then it goes down each year. But a more traditional fixed annuity, is they'll guarantee an interest rate for a time period. Then when that time period is up, the interest rate will be whatever the insurance company feels is competitive at that point in time. It can go down or go up. But you get tax deferral on it uh, the entire time. So... It's good. You don't have to pay taxes on stuff until you start taking it out. And so that's one of the uh, things that people really like about fixed annuities. Uh, there's another, uh, there are other funds called variable annuities, and those have mutual funds in them. They're tax deferred, uh, so you don't get a 1099 on it until you take money out. And you can leave it and let all the dividends and capital gains reinvest and grow on a tax deferred basis. Once you want to start taking income, you're going to have multiple options on those. It depends on the contract, but uh, they will the insurance company will calculate what portion of that is going to be treated as taxable and what portion of it would be treated as uh, tax-free um, or return of your principal, which is tax-free. And uh, so that's another kind. Then you've got a, a fixed indexed annuity. Uh, it's going to invest in... They're actually investing in options on index indexes. They won't tell you that. Um, I had a deep discussion with several of these companies and uh, had an options principal's license at one point in time. Yeah, I let it expire because I wasn't using it at all. And uh, only about 1 out of 10,000 people in my industry ever decide to sit for that exam because it's pretty hard. And uh, uh, there's not a whole lot of use for it when you do it. I was young. And I just wanted to know. So uh, you can buy an option on, say, the S&P 500, or you can buy uh, the Russell 1000. You can think of an index out there. There's probably an option that you can buy instead of the index. Well, what does that do? Well, it limits your risk to whatever the option costs. So if the, let's say you bought one on the S&P 500, and the S&P 500 ended up a year from now the same place it started. Well, you'd have paid uh, to buy that option, and let's say it's a call option. You bought the right to buy it at the, the current price. A year from now, if it was at the same price, you wouldn't execute it. You would just let it expire. You know, you might execute it if it was at the same price, and uh, you just wanted to hang on to it. But if you were, uh, if the market crashed. All you would be out is the premium that you paid, which is typically a fraction of what the uh, underlying cost would be. So you're you're buying it uh, with the hopes that the market's going to go up. So if the market went up 20 or 30 percent, you could uh, sell that option for a whole lot of money. The option react goes up faster than the index does uh, because they're not charging you a lot for it. You're paying for the time, uh, not for the entire. Um like not the whole thing as if you'd have purchased a hundred thousand so dollars on a hundred thousand dollars, for example, you might only have to pay uh three or four thousand, and actually probably have to pay five or six thousand for a year. And if it went up by more than five or six percent, uh in this case probably more like eight or nine, they the cost of the options has gone up quite a bit. But let's say uh it went down fifty percent. All right, well. I had the right to buy it. Let's call it a hundred uh, at a hundred percent of it of the price when I bought it. Now, let's say it dropped by fifty percent. All right. Well, all I lost was the four or five percent, or maybe the eight or nine percent that I paid. I didn't lose the whole fifty percent because I didn't actually have the index. I had an option on the index, and uh, the rest of my money, by the way, went into a money market account, so it earned. I didn't lose nearly as much. In fact, the companies that that offer products that are fixed index, when you hear that, they will actually guarantee that your initial um, investment you could get back, uh, or that would be uh, liquidation value minus whatever their penalty is for the, the year. Um, if it happened in one year, it's probably going to be somewhere around somewhere between eight and ten percent. Depends on the company. But that would be a whole lot better than being minus fifty. And you hear what I'm saying? Um every time I talk about this, somebody goes, Oh, you mean I get my all my money back and I can leave anytime I want to, but I'm only gonna get the upside, well, not exactly, and that would be the dream. Okay, but the reality is uh somebody's gotta pay for that insurance to guarantee that you're principal. Okay. And, and again, you need to look at these very carefully, and they are pretty complicated. The only reason I, I like to use them is they offer some pretty high guarantees, and it's extremely high. I'm, just, I'm looking at somebody who's 66 now, wants to take uh, 100000 and start taking it next year, take the income next year to supplement their Social Security. And somebody who's 66 today, next year, could uh, get $7,750. And that's a guarantee. This, the product I'm um, looking at, is, it, this is a nationwide product. There are tons and tons of products out there that, that do this t- type of thing. Nationwide just happens to be one I like the best. I, I feel more comfortable with. Anyway, 7.75%. And that's guaranteed for as long as you live. If the market crashes and goes to nothing, they'll still pay that. That's a big deal and most people don't average 7.75% on their investment portfolio. They don't. They you know, everybody talks about well, the S&P averages 10% a year. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. I've been doing this for 30 years. There's very few people keep up. Very few. And uh, even really smart people. And a lot of them aren't even trying, by the way, because they know how much risk is involved in trying to keep up with the S&P 500. If you're not willing to see your stocks fluctuate by 50% or more, um, you don't have a chance. You, know, yeah, you just haven't had a chance. And I know you're going to get these yeah, – if, if you go to Facebook and you start following investing uh, clubs, everybody's got these numbers out there that you know are fantastic. Yeah, uh, my advice is just to ignore that. Uh, there's a, uh, uh, a realm of possibilities and there's a realm of impossibilities. <laughs> and it takes a while and a lot of their arguments are so strong. But the uh, bottom line is <clears throat> you put 100000 in your 66 today, a year from now, you can take out 7750 bucks a year. For as long as you live, they'll continue to pay that. And uh, if you die before you've spent all the money that you've invested in it, they will make it back up to your beneficiary. That's a pretty good deal. And you can do this in an IRA, outside of an IRA. You can uh, name your spouse as a, as a joint annuitant. They will use the age of the younger of the two to uh, determine how much income because it does go up. If you waited until you're 68, that number would be instead of getting $700,750, it would be eight thousand four hundred seventy-six. Uh, this I'm just reading right off the scale from the uh, guaranteed schedule. Uh, these are the guarantees uh, and schedule. If you waited another year, so let's say you get to sixty-nine, that number would be nine thousand two hundred fifty-three. That that's amazing. It keeps going. If you waited all the way to age seventy-six, from the time that you know ten years it would guarantee six thousand eight hundred and ninety six from your original hundred thousand dollars. That that's pretty good. That there's a the thing I like about it is there are options. Now once you start taking the income, that's again it's guaranteed for as long as you live. If you and your spouse went on together it'll after the second person dies, then it what whatever's left there will go to your beneficiaries and they will guarantee that it will not be less than the amount that you started with minus what you've taken out. In other words, the balance on what you started with. Or if the account value is higher than that, they get the higher of the two. That's, that's kind of a big deal. Now, when I say that, uh, people call all the time. I, I always uh, makes, makes me a little uh, nervous because some people will start to – they don't understand what I'm saying. And they'll create their own <laughs> narrative for how this... Well, you said... No, I wouldn't say that. Well, no, I heard you said... No, I wouldn't say it because it's not true. And uh, if it's not true, I'm not saying it. Uh, you know, how quickly, I would get caught on something like that. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, uh, anyway. You can uh, send me an email. Bill at Uh You know, we we are... We do end up getting them eventually. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like I said, our our phone system and the uh, – it's not just us. I mean, we've talked to a ton of people. Yeah, I was trying to get through and I couldn't get through it. Yeah, I, I know. I don't know what it is. They're not talking about it yet. They won't start talking about this until they've got it figured out and they have the problem solved. Then they're going to say, well, if you've been noticing that, yes, this is what's been going on and here's how we fixed it. So it hasn't really – gotten to that point yet I, I think and, and it works a large portion of the time and we're not having as many issues as we were six to nine months ago so that's all good I mean it is improving uh, and uh, I just want to let you know that because we've had people calling and leaving messages and I'm getting the message uh, you know 90 days after I after they sent it it shows up in my email box like what You know, that's, (laughs) I have to apologize. uh, So it's not us, uh, because we'll, normally, somebody will call you within 24 to 48 hours uh, if you leave a message at our uh, voicemail. But if we're we're not seeing the voicemail, um, you know, for three or four weeks, that now you know why. But as we're definitely, we're always kind of busy, but we're never that busy uh, that we can't call you back. So i got a few seconds before a commercial break. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. I will be back after these messages. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken let the rescue
2: begin. Our suppliers pay us so you don't have to. Call 330-573-8147 for more details. Or you can visit our website at vacationfixation.com. Or check out the deal of the day on Facebook, Vacation Fixation.
1: You've heard the saying, all good things come to an end. Well, not always. Sometimes they just take a break. That's what's happening with our Lady of the Wayside's car donation program. After 24 years and 96,000 rides donated. Pretty amazing. Here's the story. The car lot's owners sold the property, making it impossible for car donations to be accepted at this time. According to the Wayside CEO, Terry Davis, the next right steps will be determined and communicated soon, so stay tuned. In the meantime, Terry and the entire team at the Wayside thank you for your continued support of the 450 individuals with developmental disabilities in the Wayside's care. And please take note. You can still support them by making a donation at thewayside.org.
0: This is Dennis Prager, and now a truly exciting new benefit. My monthly online video get-together for Pragertopia Topia Plus members only. For an hour each month, get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. I'll be answering your questions. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com.
3: And I'm back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. If you hear anything you'd like more information on, please feel free to give us a call Uh, on BullingtonCapital.com. You can go there online. And the, let's see, um, or you can email us, Bill at BullingtonCapital.com. We're just talking about a a fairly new company. It hasn't been around all that long, which is really kind of good. When a company has been around, And that's one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons I like to use index fund is that indexes uh, are going to be around for a long time. Whenever I've used a a fund company that was an, an actively managed fund company, what does actively managed mean? Well, it means that the managers are going out and visiting the companies, talking to the president, trying to do research. And trying to pick superior companies, Uh, the uh, the problem with that is they can do very well, especially if they're small cap growth or value oriented. At some point in time, they're going to outgrow. They're going to get if they've been successful, they're they're not going to be able to maintain that, especially when they start getting up into large cap growth areas. Uh, and even if they do manage to outperform their underlying index, it's typically not a lot. And because they're actively managed, they don't have the same—I um, don't know what you call it—the uh, tax treatment that an exchange-traded fund has. You end up having to pay taxes on the capital gains and dividends that those funds make. Whereas the uh, ETF industry man, their lobbyists are strong; <laughs> they have it so that none of that gets reported until you actually sell the fund. So there are tons of benefits from taxes by using exchange-traded fund. Uh, if they are paying a dividend, they're normally paying the dividends from the stocks that they have. Oftentimes, those are given the same treatment as a regular dividend uh, from a company is. It, it's got, uh, um, they don't tax it nearly as highly. And you still retain the the cost basis of the fund of when you paid for it, despite the fact that there's turnover inside the fund. They don't have to report that. So if they don't have to report it, you don't have to report it. You only pay, again, you only pay when you sell. And if you wait for 12 months after you purchase, let's say you're doing a whole portfolio. that This is a great thing to be able to do. You wait for 12 months in a day to rebalance your portfolio, and, and back in the old days, I thought, well, that, that's, mm, you should probably be doing that more frequently than that. Probably not anymore, Yeah, because those funds are rebalancing themselves on the inside that you can't see, but you're just not having to report it or pay taxes on it until you actually sell the fund. So if you wait for 12 months in a day, and most of this, the exchange-traded funds, you're, you're actually getting a lower tax Uh, They're taxed at a lower rate than it would be in a normal mutual fund. So one of the reasons I I started using them, I was looking at this going, wow, this is is pretty neat. And also, one of the other reasons I left uh, the brokerage business to start my own practice was these um, formulas that they use. They call them algorithms. It's just basically how are you going to select your stocks. I'd already been doing that a long time. Inside an environment uh, that didn't appreciate that, and they didn't want, they didn't know why I was doing it, and they were always giving me a hard time over doing it. (laughs) And I just finally got had enough and said, "You know, I'm out of here. uh, I want to do it the way that I want to do it." And in fact, the firm I was with said, "You cannot use exchange traded funds. We're not allowing you to do that." I was like, "Really?" And uh, they they only said that, by the way, after. Uh, ignoring me for about 18 months (laughs) and putting me off and putting me off. Well, I finally said, they finally blew up because I got, I was harassing them. I was calling them every other day after 18 months. Did you make your decision? Did you make it? And they finally got so frustrated. They said, yeah, the answer is no. And I said, oh, well, good. I I quit. (laughs) And uh, that's how Bullington Capital got started is doing stuff like this and, uh, and I knew the UTS were coming and, uh, and they did. And by the, by the way, when I left, there were only about a dozen. And uh, now there are several thousand. Um, and they saw the light and I was just, uh, now I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, wow, you know, if if you can think of an idea, there's probably an exchange fun out there that's doing something very close to it. if not exactly what you're thinking of. And this is where I like about, uh, these models, and these guys are kind of, um, I can't believe it's taken this long, though. <laughs> and the other ones, uh, you know, the ones I'm using today are fine. They're fine. In fact, they, uh, they're very difficult to beat. Uh, and it gets upsetting to an awful lot of people when they hear that. And they're going, oh, these things are making money all the time. No, nope. Here's what the average investor believes about stocks. Somebody out there is making money all the time. I heard this fund is just making an all-time new high. Okay, well, uh, it's just getting, you mean it's just getting back to the level that it was back in the fourth quarter of 2021. And what year is it again? (laughs) Yeah, all-time high. But you saw a massive drop. It was probably close to 30% or more. And now it's be making an all-time high that means it's just now made up the losses and a lot of them still haven't and uh that's okay but the ones that still haven't say oh well this is the uh this is a one-year high well first of all we're only in february <laughs> and uh, secondly you're still not back in a lot of cases to the high levels that you reached back in 2021 so you got to be careful when you're listening to CNBC or any, uh, uh, financial, you know, the Wall Street Journal when you're reading it. Uh, the, uh, the way that they phrase, you have to read very carefully and you have to listen very carefully to exactly what they're saying. Um, they're, you know, they're putting their best foot forward. And I, I don't, um, most cases I know that they have to do that, but you just have to be careful. And not all of them do it, uh, and they don't do it all the time. It's just pretty popular. Uh, so, and uh, back, oh, man, back before the Internet, that's all anybody ever did. You know, let's just, let's just give the data out there so they can be honest saying, hey, this is the actual data. Yeah, but that data has been selected and uh, doesn't tell the whole story. So, anyway, the uh, it can be uh, a little, little challenging. At times, and um, we, uh, like I said, I, I, I try to do the best I can here. That's all anybody can do. And when you're looking at guarantees now that are um, available, these weren't available for a long time. That's why I I, had a, I did a lot of annuities when I was young because they typically had, uh, they're typically about a couple percent higher than whatever CD rates were. And they were tax deferred, so you didn't have to claim the interest on your uh, uh, 1099, or you didn't get a 1099 until you started taking money out of it, and even then, a portion of it was treated as a return of the original principal. So, and by the way, the tax laws around this stuff change fairly frequently, so um, you may want to consult with a tax advisor uh, if you are thinking about uh, doing some of this. And uh, you can talk to us; we can give you the information that you might want to ask them. Or her. And, uh, but bottom line is, uh, my favorite product is uh, it's actually a nationwide product. That's my favorite product. It's not appropriate in every situation. So uh, if you want to find out whether I think it would be appropriate, then, then call. But I'm going to tell you, some, sometimes it's not. I mean, if you, there's money in there that you absolutely positively are going to need, and you're going to need to take it all out at uh, some point in time. Uh could be for a house that you are thinking about buying, could be a kid's college, could be uh any number of things. But if you're gonna have to take the money back out, this is probably not a good idea. If you're looking for something that you can uh convert into an income stream to supplement your retirement income, that it might be a really good idea. So you just never know. You just you have to ask. So uh and if you call up and you you want the web address so that you can get on and, and put your own age in there and, and uh, play around with the numbers, uh, feel free. You know, Uh I would probably call 330-664-0700. We are getting the uh, uh, the messages are coming in a little quicker now, so that that's good. Um, you know, it's really upsetting when you see somebody's called and, and the call is dated from like two weeks prior to that. And you're just now getting it. That's frustrating. But uh so uh, I feel bad for the people that are calling. It makes us look bad. Yeah, you know, like we're not paying attention and I I promise you. Yeah. yeah, I've got my my phone comes with me everywhere I go. And my the office number is forwarded. I've got an app that uh, uh from the our phone service that allows me to accept and make all calls as if I were in my office, you know, from my cell phone. So, yeah, just give us give us a shout. But here's the uh um the sixty-sixty-six year old going to be sixty-seven next year, going they start taking Social Security. They got one hundred thousand dollars. They can get an extra seven thousand seven hundred fifty dollars in guaranteed income for the rest of their life. Yeah. The uh, and they don't disinherit their beneficiaries. That that that's a big one. That, that's big. That, that's a big deal. I'll come back to that a little bit later. But if they waited to sixty-eight, it would be eight thousand four hundred seventy-six. If they waited to 69, it'd be 9253 If they waited to 70, it'd be $10,028. That, you know, that's, I mean, that's amazing. You, know, you put some money in there, you're 66, and you decide that you're going to postpone taking Social Security until you're age 70. By the way, it doesn't pay you very much to wait past the age of 70 because the guaranteed increases stop at age 70. And here's something that I found kind of funny, though. They say, well, you're not guaranteed guaranteed to go up after age 70. Uh, No, but they normally raise it anyway because of cost of living. And uh, so, but you don't know what that is. Uh, The guaranteed increases, the guaranteed increases stop at 70. And uh, at that point, if you started taking it, you know, you get an adjustment for um, inflation. But it's guaranteed to go up. So if inflation dropped down to 1% or 2%, uh, then Social Security doesn't have to go up by more than a couple percent. And this is a lot higher than that. And that's kind of what they're talking about. But uh, anyway, if all that stuff is going over your head because you're driving and I'm spitting out all these numbers, don't worry about it. Just give me a call and I'll walk through it with you. Uh, I do that a lot in my office. Uh, Anyway a seven-year-old who started at 66 and postponed taking money would actually, on $100,000, they they would be guaranteed $10,028 a year for the rest of their life. And again, one of the things that's different about this one and others is that when you pass away, whatever's left inside that account will go to your beneficiaries. And that's different than a lot of annuities that have the same payout level, a lot of annuities that are paying out the same amount of money that this one is. Once you pass away, um, nobody, you know, the insurance company is the beneficiary if there's anything left because they're guaranteeing that income, you know, for the rest of your life. Uh, And uh, here, they're tracking it, they're investing it, you get choices, there are three different indexes you have there, and uh, if there's money left, it goes to your beneficiary. So that's pretty good. I like it. And I've just been told I've got about thirty seconds here for the uh, rest of the show. If you've heard something that you would like for more information on, or you want to set an appointment on the phone or in person to go over your own personal situation, feel free. This is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from eleven and noon on fourteen twenty. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck and good investing. <laughs>